When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is 40 with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. In a world where social media is king and everyone is an expert in everything, get the facts from your insiders here on Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. Here are your hosts, Corey Crenshaw and Richie Flores. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. It is so great to be talking to you all. Um, it is a wonderful Sunday that Richie and I are talking to you. And I feel like I am the only person that didn't get up early this morning to watch Formula One. Um I am very lost and I feel like I need to catch up, but you know, this luckily this is not a Formula One um, podcast. It's a hockey podcast, which I am caught up on and I almost wish I wasn't here to talk with me about all that and much more. My wonderful, amazing co-host, Richie Suave Flores. How you doing? Hello, Corey. Well, I woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning to watch the final race of the Formula One season in Abu Dhabi. So you didn't have to, and boy, oh boy, was I super happy I did, because it was it was some of the highest, most ridiculous drama and intensity that you'll ever see out of any sport. It was so good. Congratulations to Max Verstappen winning his first ever Formula One World Championship, outracing Lewis Hamilton, a seven-time Formula One World Champion. On the final lap of the race, uh, as we are recording, Mercedes, who is Lewis Hamilton's team, is still apparently in the process of appealing the, the race and the outcome of the race. So who knows? It may be actual days before we actually figure out for sure what's going to happen here. But for now, Max Verstappen is the champion. It was incredible. And the tail end of the season here, including the last two races, should get their own Netflix seasons but unto themselves, and uh, I'm glad to be a Formula One fan now. It's incredible the amount of drama that goes on, and uh, and if you're if you're not a Formula One fan, that's totally okay. It's the races are early in the morning, usually here on the West Coast. Um, there's no American drivers in in there, so it's kind of tough to root, figure out who you're going to root for. But if you're not a fan, I'd highly recommend watching Drive to Survive on Netflix. There's three seasons out right now, um, and then the uh, the new season, which will be recapping this 2021 season, will come out prior to the start of the 2022 season. 
And if you're not a fan, you watch that series. I, I have a feeling you will get hooked on the sport really, really easy and really, really quickly. And, um, and yeah, you missed a lot, Corey. And, and, uh, but that's totally okay. Cause you were able to sleep in today. Unlike myself. <laughs> Yeah, I was exhausted. I slept until like 1030 and felt wonderful about it. Absolutely amazing about it. So I am glad that you were able to still go like wake up early and enjoy it and be happy that you woke up early for it and whatnot. Yeah, I have not watched the documentary. A few of our friends have and completely just got immersed into the sport afterwards. So I'm sure it is amazing. I will say one of the things that Netflix does do quite well is, um, is documentaries. I will give them props on that. I feel like their documentaries, um, most of the time anymore are just pretty solid. That's the one thing I actually really kind of enjoy thoroughly watching on Netflix. So, um, good for them and and good for the sport. Anytime a sport can gain viewers like that and really just get people immersed in it is a big deal. I think that is kind of what for a very long time is what got people really dedicated to NASCAR as well is the drama that goes on behind all of it. Because, um, you know, there's only so much exciting that racing can do. It's the stuff that's out like outside of the actual track that makes it but formula one is very very high risk it's there's a lot of you know those things can explode kind of quickly exactly you're talking about billions and billions of dollars being thrown at these race cars there's a reason why it's so it's so highly competitive and and high risk for a lot of these teams and um it, talking about that, it brings me something to mind here, which is how great would it be if the NHL did something similar to this? Now, they've tried it on occasion, right? Go back to the HBO 24-7 Road to the Winter Classic series. Back in the day, they used to do which were great. Um, you, like know that, did- you know that out of uh, 24-7, a a true admiration formed for me out of it. Do you remember what that is that I still to this day love this person? Uh, oh, geez. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know. At Tortorella. That is how Uh-oh. I found a, a strong admiration for Tortorella was out of watching 24-7. Uh, yeah, and see, so that's like, I think that's what the NHL is missing. Like, imagine if they did that. Now, apparently they did it for the Toronto Maple Leafs last year, and but they put it on Amazon, and like, I don't have fucking Amazon. I'm not going to, I don't give two shits about the Maple Leafs. I'm not going to watch the Toronto Maple Leafs. But, like, and you see it with Hard Knocks, too. HBO does a really good job with Hard Knocks. But if they did a, um entire show that, like really took you deep down into the NHL and it just wasn't focused on one team, but it was focused on, on the overall narrative of the entire season. And it gave you an inside look at the NHL on a regular basis. I think you would make more fans of the sport and I'm surprised they haven't done it yet. And it'd be really tough to do. Um, 
because there are so many teams and, and whatnot. And but I think the NHL should seriously look into doing something like this, not just following one team, but following multiple teams throughout a season and and putting it into one, you know, documentary at the end of the year, like Drive to Survive and getting people into the sport that way, because people may not like the sport, right? But you get them interested in the personalities and the stakes and the storylines, then that's how you kind of hook people. And then they'll get interested in the sport from that. So Gary Bettman, if you're listening to the show, and we know you're big fans of Arizona and the Coyotes, and we'll get to that in a minute, um, give us a all-access NHL show that can bring in new fans. See, my thing, though, is you have to be a little bit different from and I and I genuinely enjoyed the 24 sevens. I actually think they were good. It just depends, I think, on where you put them on TV, how you have 24 seven was good until it became a, a YouTube only thing. When it was really not easily accessible to people, it kind of dropped off. But having that and leading it up to the Winter Classic was actually, it was very entertaining. It had a lot of, like I said, it was where I found um, an appreciate, uh, like a deeper appreciation for Tortorella in it because of the fact that you didn't really, you got to see more than just him being a hard ass on the ice and, and you know, getting in fights with people and stuff like that. You got to see a little bit more of his personality of who he is from top to bottom as a coach. And um, you got to see, you would see that through for, the players for all of that stuff. And it's just a a different dynamic that I think a lot of fans don't ever really get to experience. Um, I think spit and chiclets does a good job with, you know, being able to, to really talk and dive into some characters within the NHL, but not many people outside of hockey fans really listen to them. And so it would be nice to have a, a documentary style show like that, that um, really does get into them because people do, they, they buy into these storylines and they get very um, like emotionally attached to certain players and to some certain teams and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I would definitely say that's a definitely a way to go about it. I would say in the difference of hard knocks that I think kills me every single time I watch Hard Knocks and almost is part of the reason why I don't always want to watch Hard Knocks is they always have one person that's not going to make the team that they have you invest in throughout the entire show and then at the end they don't make the team. Like prime example of this, I got very invested in the kid who he was not the most intelligent person in the world, um, but he was the the lowest on the totem pole quarterback um, for Cleveland. And he was the most, see, you already know, he was the most entertaining thing that entire show had. He even like, he, you know, in the quarterbacks um, van that they were all in, he was the one that had to go get all the food and showed all their like food and their snacks and uh, drinks that he had to get all of them and stuff like that. You got very invested in him. But the fact is, at the end of it all, he didn't make the team. So at the very end, 
it really didn't give me any investment in in them. I I knew more about the team and stuff like that, but the person I was invested in didn't even make the team. So it didn't really even matter anymore. And that's why I say with certain things like the Coyotes right now, it was nice to have the whole thing with Wedgwood and that kind of storyline kind of start to come in and arc a little bit because of the fact that people do. It's an entertainment business like anything else, and they have to get invested in the people and um, the humanity of the sport in itself. You're talking about Brogan Roback was his name. Yes, He's- he was the best part of that. He is currently a free agent. He's he's not with anybody at the moment. Um, he played he most recently played in the XFL in 2020, but right now he is uh, unemployed. I don't think he's with anybody at the moment. But uh, yeah, that's who you're talking about, Brogan Brogan Roback. <laughs> very very entertaining man. If you mm-hmm. like, if you guys ever want to go back and watch that season, watch it just just for him yeah there there's that uh that part where he's like at the butterfly place with his girlfriend or whatever just it's and it's amazing television it's hilarious (laughs) it's it's so funny like he just the personality of him was the best out of everything you all there's always one person that's um that's such great personality. And even on one of the, I think it was one of the 24 sevens had to have been, um, I don't even remember who it was at this point. It was someone who played for the Kings and had previously played for another team. I don't remember what the other team was, but it was how on his old team, he could literally walk down the streets anywhere and everyone would know who he was. He was going into an event for the Kings and the person who was checking him in didn't even know who he was in LA. And it was that I thought was very interesting television because of the fact that it shows very strong, different dynamics depending upon where you're at. So, um, you know, Austin Matthews complains a fair amount about, um, you know, how all of Toronto's media and their coverage and everywhere he goes, fans definitely know who he is and all of that stuff. But, and I mean, he would be known here in Arizona when he came back because he's from here, but like Oliver Ekman Larson uh, was, um, at least I think he had publicly said this, if not, um, he said that he likes it better, the fact that here he could go places and people wouldn't always 100% know who he was. And there's a large dynamic that changes according to where you are in the country. If you're in Canada, if you're in the US, if you're on the East Coast, if you're on the West Coast. And I thought that was really interesting television. And maybe it's because Richie and I come from, um, you know, journalism and videography backgrounds that this is the stuff that, you know, we initially went to school for and everything. But That's how you get people in it because there's so much of this sport, as we both know, um, you know, Richie very deeply covering the team, me working for the team and working for other sports teams in the Valley. There are a lot of things that fans outside do not realize, do not realize different dynamics. 
and how much personality is in a lot of these players. Um, and that is the, the type of stuff that makes it more human and makes it more something that people can attach onto. And the NHL has a really tough time being able to get people to attach on to the sport like they do with football, like they do with baseball, just simply because it's more prominent and it's more in your face in your day-to-day lives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's uh, something that the, I think the NHL is going to you know, continue to, to battle with is to try and get traction, you know, of some sort. And it's something that, uh, um, you know, like some, uh, like the MLS is starting to gain a lot more traction here. Right. You know, formula one getting a lot more traction here. And cause I was watching the MLS cup final yesterday, terrific finish to that game and ended up going to a penalty shootout and, uh, NYC I've seen ended up coming out on top, but like, um, for whatever reason, those sports have just done a good job of, getting beyond their niches and continuing to grow. And the NHL, I feel like, is just kind of stuck right now. And and the unfortunate thing, going back to what we talked about in our last show, is that the Olympics were usually a really good t- uh, tester for this, which is you put your NHL players in the Olympics and you introduce those players to a much wider audience. Well, it's seemingly that that's not going to happen here coming up for these Olympics because it's very likely that – uh, and you listen to Gary Bettman that it, that the NHL players are kind of very weary on going because there was a, a report again this week that if you test positive in China, according to Chinese law, like you're stuck there for weeks if you have a positive test. So like we talked about last week, that now opportunity is now gone and seemingly not very likely that the NHL is going to be going to the Olympics. And so they're now they're going to have a bigger problem, which is they're going to have a three week break in their schedule with no games going on. Like, how do you recover from that? You know, while the NBA is still in the in in the midst of their season, the NHL just goes shuts down. Like, good luck with that. Can we just throw in some more like outdoor games for fun? You know, oh, spend yes, yeah some exhibition games. <laughs> just spend like uh, no, no no do three different all stars, all outdoors though. Spend one week hyping up to each each different one, three different places. Yeah, that's a better idea than sitting on their hands and asses and doing nothing. Then, then you can get people to watch, and then you can split it up according to the closest place to each of the players, right? So the, the players can choose one of the three locations, and then they can do like separate um separate uh all-stars or you could do it according to kind of like you know the like the west the east the north and just kind of do it that way and then you can have separate little like all-star type things just to get you know people watching that some hype out of that and just get some entertainment value out of it just as much as i feel like as I was saying earlier, that fans never really get to see the the personality of players much. I feel like players feel like they don't ever really get to give their personality that much. And those type of events, they genuinely enjoy. I mean, obviously, sometimes they'll, you know, say, I don't really want to do it because they'd rather have the break. 
Um, but most of the time, I think they really just, you know, it's kind of like anyone who gets to go in and have a more laid back fun day at work. Everyone likes it now and then. So, you know, just have one of those thrown in there. That, that That's my solution. It's never going to happen, but it would be a fun one. Yes, yes, it would. This is why we need to be the commissioners of the NHL because we have plenty of ideas. Damn right, better. and we would never move the Coyotes. Yes, Suck exactly. on them apples. Which is a good transition, Corey. I'm glad you brought that up because we have some on-the-record comments from Gary Bettman this week. He was asked about the Coyotes during the NHL Board of Governors meeting, and we tweeted this out at the time from our Twitter account at Corey underscore Ruti Show on the Twitter machine. You about this and he must have been listening to our show because he said exactly what we said on our show last week which is it's clear that the city of glendale has either an agenda or an edge with how they're dealing with the coyotes glad he said that because it's 100 percent true and it's interesting we had it was funny because you had had quote tweeted it uh, from our account and said you know exactly what we said but then someone had also replied to it and said, oh, well, you know, obviously someone at the Coyotes, though, like doesn't like paying their bills. It can't just all be on Glendale. I We are not saying at all that this is only a Glendale thing and the Coyotes didn't do something wrong here. You know, if you're not paying your bills, that's there's still something wrong there. You've done something wrong. But the fact that this wasn't addressed in private and it wasn't a discussion between the two of them like hey we're gonna have to put our foot down if you don't pay us back for this that's a massive glendale issue that is not a coyotes issue that is a glendale issue and the fact that they wanted to make this public wanted to try to rub the coyotes nose in it and make themselves look like the good guys in all of this because they clearly have issues and as i had said it's like a divorce they're trying to make them look bad so i i don't know if it's in the end to kind of point to all of the voters that vote them in and say hey look they weren't paying their bills that's why we had to kick them out so don't get mad at us if this doesn't go well after they've left which i i i personally believe it won't go well considering the fact that a lot of people come to westgate for coyotes games that is what they come out there for that's they come out for cardinals games they don't go all the way to the west side for no good reason especially when you have so much growth happening on the east side it takes them a lot of time to get over all the way to the west side in order to watch those games and so you know they'll make a weekend out of it i actually know of some People recently who are from like the the Mesa Gilbert area, they decided to get like a hotel at that Renaissance over there and make an entire weekend of hanging out at Westgate because they went to go see a Coyotes game. That won't yeah. happen now that the team is going to be gone. It, yeah, exactly. And um, I was at what the Westgate area uh, on Saturday night. I did not go to the game. I. I was uh, I ended up going to a bar there at Westgate um, to meet up with a buddy of mine, and um, and after the game was over, you could tell um, that it was over because the bar immediately filled up with people, and and like you, my my buddy was like, 
oh wow, this got they got really busy here all of a sudden. And I was like, yeah, the Coyotes game just got out. People showing up in their jerseys. A lot of I saw a lot of Flyers fans rolling around last night, and um, and so yeah, Coyotes leave. Good luck trying to to figure that out. How you're going to get those same bars to be packed on nights when you don't have a concert and don't have a Coyotes game? It it doesn't make any sense. We said it from the outset when the Glendale said, "Oh, we can make this up with uh, 20 concert dates." No, we called bullshit from the start, and um, and I don't see how they're going to be able to make that make up that gap between 42 dates a year and 20. It makes zero sense. No, but with this, they're going to try and cover their ass and be like, well, here's evidence of the coyotes' abuse, essentially, is what they're trying to say. And then they'll just try and use that as a way to try and make it up to the businesses and voters in Glendale. Whether that works or not, I don't know. You know, the fact that politics is playing any part in this is just kind of, I would say, would be bullshit. That, But that is my assumption of where they're going with this is more of trying to just make the coyotes look bad out of it like i said i don't take all of the blame away from the coyotes there's some things that the coyotes should have done differently and we will always you know say that like it is but um definitely agree with batman in the fact that there is a vendetta that the that glendale has and they've had against the coyotes for a long, long time now. Uh, yep, and I'm sure um, this is going to continue to get just weirder and weirder. Um, I feel like Katie Strang, as we were talking about in the last show, is she'll probably have a tweet a week with just spewing out more bullshit PR for the city of Glendale, like she's been doing. Because um, she did that again after the after Gary Bettman's comments and Lori just word for word for word repasted exactly what the city of Glendale had to say. Didn't do any actual like down and dirty reporting about that. And um, for the record, as far as we know, the Coyotes have not paid their bills for this season yet, which according to Glendale have to be paid by the end of June, basically. So um, keep an eye out for that. Hopefully they, they pay up on that too. But knowing Alex Marullo, he's going to cut it close, very, very close to the wire on that. So they have time to pay the rest of it off, everybody. Just uh, keep it, keep an eye out for that here in the back half of the season. What, um, what's, as, what's that date again? We should make sure to know um, probably about two weeks, maybe a little bit less beforehand, um, that we should prepare an episode that um, is going to be addressing the new Katie Strang article on um, on them not paying their bills again. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Let's take a look. Okay. Uh, you clear my schedule off in advance. Oh, June 30th, 2022. June 30th. Okay. We'll probably have about, you know, the 21st the 15th somewhere in there that we all will be meeting back here again to discuss this once more. <laughs> I, yep. Yeah, you're probably not wrong about that. Um, now moving on to uh, the on ice stuff for the Coyotes kind of quickly. When I say that, I mean, we're actually going to talk about the flyers for a second. Keith the Andal returned to town on Saturday. Corey, were you excited? Yes, I was. I am always excited when Keith Yandel's in town because of the fact that I am a massive Keith Yandel fan. 
and uh, even um, even my future father-in-law knows that he literally <laughs> told me to look at the TV when he got on the TV, and he's like. Uh, he goes, oh, look, they're talking about Keith Yandel. And it was Shane Doan talking about him. And then they had Keith Yandel on there. And and so, yeah, we were uh, enjoying their little segment that they had on Keith Yandel the other night. Um, he is getting pretty close on his um, Iron Man streak here. I actually have to pull out a calculator to do the math here because I am awful at math. There is a reason why I didn't go into a degree that had anything to do with math. Um, I have, I can't do mental math. Am I the only person that can't do mental math in this world? It's awful. No, I can't either. I'm really terrible at it. He is 16 games now short of tying the record for the most consecutive games played. He is just behind Doug Jarvis, who started his in 1975 and ended it in 1987. So he's been holding that for quite a while. Keith Yandel is just 16 behind with 948 games to Doug Jarvis's uh, 964. Very interestingly enough, our very own Phil Kessel is at 927. Um, Keith Yandel started his um, in March, on March 26th, 2009, Phil Kessel started his on November 3rd, 2009, and they're both still going strong, knock on wood for both of them. Yeah, uh, I remember last year around the same time we were talking about the Florida Panthers scratching Keith Yandel for no reason. Oh yeah, I was pissed. That it just was no reason whatsoever. Especially when you're close to something that big. If I was at that point, I would be like, you know, I could severely injure myself and I would be like, I don't care. I'm getting on the ice for all of those 16 other games. If you've made it that far from 2009 to 2021 and a team was going to healthy scratch you, try and fuck that up that is probably the most angry i will have ever been in my life yeah and keith yandel for what it's worth um got an assist last night too in the game which i would like to say it was funny because uh my fiance's dad was was talking about this and the fact that he he was going, oh, we could use Keith Yandel now. And I started laughing and I was like, all these years ago, there was people that were all ecstatic saying that, you know, there is no place for an offensive defenseman for Keith Yandel, like, like Keith Yandel, and that the team needed to get rid of him and so on and so forth and all these things. I feel like all these years later, the offensive defenseman is what everyone is jonesing for because it has become so much of a goal-scoring league that you need someone that's more of an offensive defenseman 
than you need as a solid defensive defenseman nowadays. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like Keith Yandel was like the uh he's kinda like the Renaissance man when it came to that, you know? Head of his time, Keith Yandel was. Keith Yandel was I mean, he, he wasn't like the original original. I mean, if you go all the way back, I'm sure probably probably you could probably go all the way back to like Bobby Orr and yeah, the fact sure, like but, yeah. who really, really started all of that but um he he was very undervalued for what he did and um i think once oel came in and everyone kind of thought that he could be the better version of keith yandel in, in that sense and he never lived up to that and i'll still say to this day especially on team like when they had when the team had um you know the whole tandem going on with Kemper and Ranta having a really solid offensive defenseman and then just having a really good goaltender that can make up for their um defensive missteps is so much more beneficial in a skill based um way of hockey that we are in now and that that in the future will be what is most important because they're just going to keep on going further and further away from fighting and all of that. They're going to go continue to go more into skill base. They say more into safety, but it's that's up that's up for debate. And they will constantly be making rules much easier for goals to be scored. If we've noticed anything with, you know, um, the rules that they've changed offsides and that they've changed or not necessarily changed, but how liberal, I guess, they've kind of gotten with the um, what is and isn't goaltender interference. They're trying to make the sport more exciting, not by the traditional fighting and all of that. It's the skill and all of the goal scoring. They're trying to make these games a lot more high goal scoring. Which is going to also be something that fans that are old fans of the sport will not love. Because of the fact that that is not traditional hockey. Traditional hockey does not have a very... It's not a very high scoring game. Um, you know when you come out of games that are scored really well, you just genuinely think that it was a horrible defensive game. And so that is where they've been trying to push the sport for a while. And there will be more and more Keith Andles down the line, but I think it would be awesome if he can um, really just get that cement, that place. And that's kind of, um, I think an honor for him after all of the flack he's probably gotten throughout his career for the way that he plays. Yes, exactly. So, uh, and I wonder when do I wonder when he's going to actually break the record. I wonder who, like, if it's going to be at home on the road. Do maybe we can do a little bit of math super quick and 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 look that up. But this is what happens when our we prepare exceedingly for our shows. Um, which will, uh, yeah, I guess he he, he pro- will probably break it before the Olympic break. I, I'd say, 
So he sixteen games to tie and seventeen to beat. Okay, let's do some math here. I'll pull. I'll pull up the the majig here. Okay, here we go. Pulling up the Flyers schedule. Okay, here we go. There it is. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. So he's going to tie the record on January eighteenth at home against the Red Wings, and he's going to break the record on January 20th at home against the Columbus Blue Jackets. What a what a great new year. New year, new record. Oh my god, that should be that should be his thing. Marketing <laughs> people, new year, new, new record. New year, new record. Just just throwing it at you guys, flyers if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, I like it i like it a lot um okay and do we have anything else we were supposed to talk about god only knows um oh yeah jacob yeah jacob chickren's hurt but according to craig, craig morgan it's nothing serious and so he's day-to-day right now yeah so it, it's it's news but it's not officially news quite yet you know what i'm saying here in the Sporty Nation, we, yeah, I don't know, we take our news a little bit differently. We we don't think every single thing that comes out is officially news at a certain point until it, it becomes problematic. Kind of like the Coyotes not paying $250,000 when yeah. they can yeah. easily pay it. it. It wasn't really story worthy until some people made it story worthy. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. So we'll see how Jacob Chicken progresses and if he's back in the lineup um, come the next game. But uh, anyway, I think that's our show for today. Oh, I was going to ask you about one more thing before we go. Um, can you please explain to me what was going on with the whole Peloton thing this week? Okay, well, I actually just saw something else that came out about it. Okay, so I was a big... Um, I was a big uh, Sex in the City person growing up um i absolutely loved carrie bradshaw and um and so i don't have hbo max but i knew someone with hbo max and i had thought about stealing it just to watch something and i it was this new reboot of sex in the city and um I also work in the um, fitness industry, so I wake up, go to work, looking over all my stuff in the fitness industry as I do, and I see that there is a spoiler about something that had happened to Peloton um, that was like pretty bad PR, and it had to do with Sex in the City. And I, and I go, oh, God. So then I look at the article, and... Um, see that the article is basically saying, and, and this is a spoiler, if anyone wants to doesn't know about this yet, don't listen to what I'm saying. Carrie Bradshaw, throughout the entire series, she ends up with this guy who they call Big. And um, it's like, a, it's a big deal throughout the entire show. So it was very, very sad when I found out. 
um, that he that he dies in this episode. Um, Richie, it's kind of like when Veronica finally gets married in Veronica Mars mm-hmm. and her husband dies literally right after that. That's basically what what our what how I felt about this. Just I now I don't even know if I want to watch the show anymore. I'm slightly like irritated by the fact that that's like how they started this shit off. But um so <laughs> anyways, apparently he had been doing Peloton and it was his 100th or 1000th Peloton ride. And they had joked throughout the whole thing that him and uh, his Peloton instructor were like having a thing because he was so obsessed with riding his Peloton. Well, on his 1000th ride, he they show him apparently getting into the shower and he's got his phone in his hand. He just keels over, hard attack, dies. And Peloton is basically like, well, fuck me, right? Because they knew that they were going to have, I don't know how they didn't know fully here. This is the interesting thing. They knew they had two of their actual Peloton instructors in the show, like on the screen and everything, acting, their names were like something other than their actual names, but there were actual Peloton instructors that were in it. So they had to have this approved, you know, the, the bike was in his living room and, you know, it's New York and it's classy and it's all this stuff. So it looked like an, an ad for them almost in the beginning until he keels over and dies. They literally had to give a statement. I wonder if I can find the statement right now. They have a doctor that they have as, um, uh, that give that's like on, their payroll that gave a statement on it about basically what, and I'm not kidding you. This goes into, let me see if I can find it. Um, this is the article I read. So it's gotta be in here. Um, Oh, here it is. Okay. So this is from the Los Angeles times. I'm sure Sex in the City fans like me are saddened by the news that Mr. Big dies of a heart attack, said Dr. Suzanne Steinbaum, a preventative cardiologist and member of Peloton's Health and Wellness Advisory Council in statement to the Times. Mr. Big lived what, what many would call an extravagant lifestyle, including cocktail cigars and big steaks, and was at serious risk as he had a previous cardiac event in season six. These lifestyle choices and perhaps even his family history, which often is a significant factor, were likely to cause his death. Riding his Peloton bike may have even helped delay his cardiac event. More than 80% of all cardiac-related deaths are preventable through lifestyle, diet, and exercise modifications. And while 25% of heart attacks each year are in patients who already had one, like Mr. Big, even when... Even then, they are very, very treatable. The lesson here is know your numbers. It's always important to get to talk to your doctor, get tested, and have healthy prevention strategy. The good news is Peloton helps you track your heart rate while you ride so you can do it safely. Um, I, I, I don't even know where to begin. That they had to have a doctor 
give a statement about a fictional character for one that just kills me like the fact that they mentioned that he had a cardiac issue in season six to show that he had prior history it's not funny but it is (laughs) that like killed me but this was significant um bad pr for um Peloton, who's already had a lot of stock dropping because people, well, one, they had a bunch of bikes fall over because they, they're not anchored down correctly type of a thing. And they killed some children. That was one of them. Um, that was like over 100,000 of those. And then they also, people started, once pandemic was over, they started getting rid of their bikes and going back to the gym. So their stock was already dropping. So Peloton had to deal with this on top of it. And um, and to be honest with you, it's, it's not like people haven't killed over or when it has to do with, um, cycling. Cycling is hard on your heart and after a certain age, it becomes a little bit more of a risk factor than it is anything else. I've actually known someone who, um, it wasn't a heart attack. They, they had it like, it was a, it was a heart condition that they had, um, but so for people with heart issues, it does sometimes become a little bit too much. Um, but it's funny that this whole thing blew up in Peloton's face. And they even went to the lengths. And I feel like I may have been talking for years now. But this is the weirdest thing that I've had to experience. Like w- between what is and isn't reality. Ryan Reynolds, of all people, just posted uh, 58 minutes ago a video of Big with his Peloton instructor. And I, it's, I've been doing this podcast, so I haven't been able to watch it. But it appears that he faked his own death to run off with his Peloton instructor. Oh, yeah, I'm seeing it now. So this is now what Peloton has done to try and turn on the new Sex in the City since they got such bad publicity. What? Oh, there they, yeah, there they are with their Pelotons. Yeah, like he he ran away with his Peloton instructor. What a weird turn of events. <laughs> I mean, oh. After that one, after that one, uh, Peloton, the Peloton wife commercial, remember that from last year, yeah. And Ryan Reynolds like did ended up bringing like her in to do an aviation gin commercial or something like that. Yes, and and now he's doing this. This is its own saga. This is so we have look at all these things that are intertwined here. We've got the new. HBO reboot of Sex in the City. We've got Peloton. We've got Ryan Reynolds, who already has a weird history with Peloton. And we have people talking about a fictional character as if it was real. <laughs> it's great. It's terrific. And that's the perfect way to wrap up the show. But before we go, of course, Corey, we need to make sure we tell the people about DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook, 
All you got to do if you're a new customer is bet just $1 on any team to score in the National Football League. Of course, an official sports betting partner of the NFL is DraftKings Sportsbook. And you can win $100 in free bets. Simple as pie. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use that promo code THPN. We've been telling you about it all year long. Bet $1 on any team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania. Only new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Corey. That's our show today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate you. We're winding up 2021 here in a couple weeks. Christmas is around the corner. Very exciting. And uh, and we will talk to you again very soon, Sport Nation. Until then, good night and good hockey.